Hey there, and welcome to the Sponsor Talk podcast, where we interview some of the leading minds in the world of sponsorship marketing and discover the various ways in how brands interact with properties within sports, arts, film, music, you name it. Today's episode is actually really exciting. Um, so we've got Alex Turnbridge here, who's the CEO of Stevenage FC. Um, they've done some incredible work this year, but all throughout um, the last uh, you know, little while in, in terms of the work that they're doing in the UK. So Alex, really excited to have you here. Um, thanks for being with us. Problem, nice to meet you. So Al Alex, I'd love to start, you know, we usually start these podcasts with Career Journey, um, talking a little bit about, you know, where you've been, how you grew up. I know that you graduated from the University of Southampton and studied sports management there. Maybe we can, we can start from there and kind of see, uh, you know, where your career went. Yeah, so um, graduated from University of Southampton, did a degree in uh, sports and business management. Uh, always knew I wanted to work in football and um, sent my CV off to lots and lots of clubs and was really lucky to get a, a position at Bournemouth Football Club. So they were in League Two at the time. They were obviously gone on a great journey since then. Uh, worked in a role there around fan engagement and then um, from there got the opportunity to go to Stevenage, where I am now. Sat at their foundation, um, doing lots of work in the community. Um, and then after about six or seven years, having worked with the foundation and the academy and also set up a nursery school or a kindergarten for them, for kids here at the club, um, I think got the chance to go to America, worked in America for a year uh, and then got drawn over to Newport County over in Wales, who play in English League Two as well. Um, was chief executive there for almost two years, had a great, fantastic FA Cup run against Leeds and Tottenham um, and then came to Stevenage just over two and a half years ago now. Mm -hmm. And, and you mentioned at the beginning, you kind of always wanted to work in football. Um, you know, what was that process like? Did, did it happen naturally? Was that something that um, was a little bit tough to break into for you? Uh, I was probably quite lucky to get my foot in the door at Bournemouth. And then it's just been about working hard, taking every single opportunity, saying yes to everything. And, um, you know, foot, football is, is, you know, yes, you have to work really hard and you have to be good at what you do. But there is certainly an element of luck in there, winning games, cup runs and things like that. So uh, that probably helps escalate your career and, and get you to where you want to be. So um, no, really lucky to be around today. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd love to touch upon, you know, your work you're doing currently with Stevenage, but you said you've been there for quite a while. How long have you been with the club for? Probably close to eight, nine years now. <laughs> uh, in two spells, so two and seven years, nine years. Um, Probably had an influence or, or experience in nearly every every department of the football club. Wow. Um, particularly early early days when it was a little bit smaller. So in terms of community, academy, bits of commercial, uh, match days, you name it, I've probably had a had a had a sort of some form of engagement in every area. So probably put me in good stead for for where I am today. And I'm one of those people. I'm never. Never too worried to go and get my hands dirty and um, and get on with something. So um, you know, it's it's a really good club and it's quite a unique club. But um, yeah, really really pleased. Yeah. So I mean, being there for nine years, uh, nine ten years, however long, like you've seen so much. You've seen so much growth. You've seen so much change. Um, you know, what has that process been like? And like now that you look back, um, you know, what kind of differences and uniqueness that you mentioned. Um, is there between Stevenage FC and, and other football clubs in the division? So we're, we're quite a, a new club. Um, we were only founded in 1976 and we only got promoted to the Football League in 2010. So this is only our 11th year as a Football League club. 
when we when we came up, our, our team was was very very good. We got into the playoffs in League Two and then got promoted in our first season. We got into the League One playoffs and lost to Sheffield United. So we we very quickly um, escalated ourselves through those leagues. And probably off the field, we couldn't catch up. It, it was going too quick on the field. Um, so it probably took us a few years to do that. And and really, it's it's probably taken ten years to cement the club as a football league club, particularly off the field in terms of its infrastructure and its engagement. Um, Stevenage is a new town as well, so it was only built in the in the fifties after World War Two. So a lot of those people that live in Stevenage came out of London. They took the the teams they supported, the Tottenham's, the West Ham's, the Arsenal's. Um, in England, it's very generational that you'll support who your mum supports or your dad supports. Um, so for us, the biggest issue or the biggest challenge is to get people to try and support their local club. Mm-hmm. It's very close to Arsenal. It's very close to Tottenham we have to essentially develop and build a new generation of supporters for this football club. Um, and if you go back 10 years ago, when I, I first came to the club, the average crowd was about 1,800 people. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're up to sort of three, three and a half thousand people. So we're, we're not too far away from doubling our fan base in 10 years. Um, and that's just a natural thing that takes time. Obviously, if you get success on the pitch as well, and you can accelerate that process. But um, it's a club that's very much embedded in the community. During the recent pandemic, we did a lot of work. We delivered 15,000 sandwiches to local people every day. We um, made prescription collections. We went and walked people's dogs. We were, we were a club that really wants to be embedded in its community and, and, and vice versa, really. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned it's a kind of a recent club. I mean, in the 50s, it sounds like it's not that recent, but it really is when it, when in terms of the football world. Um, mm-hmm. So when you think about you know, the last few years, you've had a lot of new fans come on board um, especially in international markets. So mm-hmm. what's that process of community involvement look like and how are you turning those people into lifelong Stevenage fans? So for us, one of the decisions we made two years ago was to rebrand. So we changed our crest. It was an old crest that had been with us for a long time um, and we, we needed to modernise it. We needed a brand that people could engage with all around the world and of all ages. Um, so that was the first step in, in doing what we've done. And then, I mean, we'll come on to it shortly, but the Burger King... Um, campaign has, has really accelerated the growth of supporters outside of Stevenage and and we've now got this position where we've got you know thousands of people around the world playing with us on FIFA buying more shirts interacting with us on social media mm-hmm. so we're having to find new ways to engage with them and interact with them and, and we've been doing that for the esports world quite a bit but also just through you know general fan engagement match day competitions match day um quotations all, all those kind of things that you would normally do but trying to appeal to that wider market and trying to make Stevenage you know that that second team that people in the international market think do you know what I've got a bit of a weak spot for them quite like what they're doing um, yeah I'm going to buy the jersey and yeah I'm going to follow them on socials and, and I'm, yeah I'm going to buy their streaming passes every now and then so it's, it's sort of creating a little niche in the world and and trying to encourage people to to support the club and and in turn you know, it's growing our revenues, um, you know, not enormously, but it, it's certainly, you know, certainly a percentage that we weren't expecting on our, on our top line. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we'll, we'll get into the Burger King partnership in a bit, but I, I'm really interested as like a kind of a smaller market team, you're facing a unique challenge, like many other smaller market teams around engaging their fan base. So, mm-hmm. you know, what does fan engagement look like for you guys right now? For us, it's, it's about being embedded in that community. It's about being seen every day out in the schools, out in the local parks, working with youth um, youth development programmes. It's about being accessible. It's about the players being accessible, the players going to schools, the players delivering season tickets, the players delivering shirts, 
players delivering food parcels during the pandemic. Mm. Um, that's how we seek to engage people. We seek to engage people by being on their level, being in their community and, and being accessible to them. Um, match day wise, we, we do an awful lot around the community, lots of groups coming in, lots of schools, kids zones and things. But, but really, it's about being a football club that's accessible. If you go into the Premier League, it's, it's really difficult to, to go mm. and see your idol or your top scorer and get their autograph and have a chat with them at Stevenage. It's here. Monday to Friday in the week and also the weekend, you can you can come and interact and engage with our football club and, and feel like you're a real part of it. I, I love that because I feel like you're owning the smallness of it and it feels more like a community of these tight-knit supporters um, that feels really engaged with, the, with the, the actual players themselves. So there isn't that distance that you might see with bigger teams. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's all about being, as I said, accessible at all levels. It doesn't matter who you are, you know, the, the player on the pitch is just as important as the person working behind the scenes as who's just in person as the person that sits in the seat or stands on the terrace and supports their team. So it's, it's about being sort of one club really. Mm -hmm. And, and when you're, when you're talking about some of that community engagement and the, and the fan involvement, you know, um, as you think about what 2021 will look like or the post pandemic landscape, are your priorities shifting? Are you focusing on getting fans back in the seats? Kind of where, where are your priorities right now? So we should hopefully have crowds back on Saturday. So start of December, they'll be, they'll be back in. We've got a test event and we should get up to about the 1500 mark by the middle of December, which is great. So we can get all our season ticket holders back in. For mm -hmm. us, the, the short term is we have to re-engage with our supporters. We have to remind them why they every Saturday they, they get out of their house and they come and watch this team and support us. And, and that's really important. So that's, that's the first and sort of the most important thing to us is re-engage with those we've already engaged with. Mm -hmm. um, let's make sure they've not found something else to do with their time. Second thing then is to, to re restart all that work that we've been doing in the community. Some of it's had to stop because of the pandemic. Restart that and, um, you know, it's, it's to continue with that, that main mission of, of growing a new generation of supporters and, and trying to increase the overall fan base. So mm -hmm. to answer your question, it's two-part. You know, re-engage with those we re-engage with and, and continue to engage new people. Mm -hmm. And and I want to I want to dive a little bit into that. So like in terms of engaging the newer fans, engaging uh, people outside of the stadium as well. Like you know the the Burger King sponsorship um, you know gave you a lot of international attention when they decided um, or when they decided to actually be the jersey sponsor of, of your club. You know it's a massive blue chip brand comes on board. Can you tell us about how that deal came about and and you know some details about it? Yeah, so we were we were approached by um, a guy called Pancho from the David Agency, probably oh, a good 18, 19 months ago now, who said mm -hmm. um, that we've, we've got a brand. They, they're looking to work with a League Two club in England. We think you guys would be a really good fit. We've seen what you're doing. You're quite innovative. Just seen you've done a digital match day program. We've just seen that you're um, trying to do things a little bit differently. We've just done a bond uh, issue. We just sold shares. You know, we were, we were a club that wasn't going to sit still. We were going to try and push ahead. We just got a world title fight in our stadium. And uh, they said, look, we think you guys would be a really good fit for each other. So we, we bid in and we, we put, put a package together uh, and we didn't know who it was going to be to begin with. And then, um, you know, got through that process. They, they did their research on us. They liked us. They liked what we're doing and they felt there would be some synergy there between the brands. Um, and that was it deal was signed and um and the plan started to sort of be unveiled to us as to what they were looking to do uh -huh. um they said that we want to be on the front of your shirt and this is why we want to be on the front of your shirt 
we're going to be one of the first teams on FIFA's ultimate team mode that, that plays engaged with. Therefore, we want to get our brand in there. So it's seen very early in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but equally, we want to make the brand cool. We want to make it the most played with team. And this is how we're going to do it. So um, they're encouraging people in real life and on the game to um, score a variety of goals, be that a header, free kick or a volley. Um, upload that content onto social media and in return they would win free food um, so I think the clever part about this is they realise the value of being on EA Sports FIFA mm-hmm. they recognise that they could get their brand in at the very start of that game um, and they were encouraging people to create self-generated organic content by the users that would then be shared across all kinds of social media streams in turn raising the profile of Burger King and in turn raising our profile as a, as a byproduct as a football club um, so you know a really really clever idea and um, we're really pleased to have been part of that idea and, and the, the success of it. Yeah it's one it's one of my favorite case studies um, in the last few years and, and when you think about uh, where the partnerships industry is headed you know a lot of creativity like that to kind of go after an idea bring the partner along with you for that success it, it really um, spoke to me as well so like I think you know if I heard that right, when you submitted that request for proposal, um, did you not know which brand it was for? No, we didn't know who it was going to be. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Obviously, we, we, we did when we got to the final part. Um, yeah. No, we had, a, we, had a, we had a decision to make. But uh, early doors, no, we didn't. We just, uh, we just knew they were going to be innovative and forward-thinking. And, you know, they wanted a club that was going to work with them and, and be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And, and so once that campaign took off, you gave us a bit of details, like, did, did you realize the impact it was going to have? Did like um, what we, I, I don't yeah. think early doors we did. And I think it took a little bit of time. It took, it was probably a little bit different. It took people time to understand the challenge, go to the consoles, complete the challenge, upload the content. So it was not an overnight process. It was maybe three, four days and it was quite slow. And then, yeah, we, we knew it was good. We, we sold our shirts. Our shirt sales went up 300%. We could tell that it was you know, it was taking shape and we were getting people tweet us from Brazil and Paraguay and Chile and Australia. And then it wasn't until the, the recent video that came out that probably lots of people have seen, which is like the wrap up of the campaign. Um, mm-hmm. And it just went crazy. And it wasn't until we started to get some of the metrics off of it. So the initial campaign was 1.2 billion impressions. There was 25,000 goals submitted online for prizes. Um, and then we were also the most played team on the entire game in the world on career mode. And I think it's when we started to see the statistics like that and all of that data, we suddenly went, wow, what, what have we done here? And, and I think for us, it was the fact when other clubs started to, to call us up and go, guys, you, you've done a great job. This is amazing. Why didn't we think of it? And how did you do it? And tell us how it works. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and equally, you know, the likes of yourselves and other media agencies have, have really got hold of this. And, um, you know, it's a credit to Pancho and it's a credit to Burger King that, that they've, they've seen this opportunity. And, like I said, we're really pleased that we've been able to work with them and, and create the success we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was there any challenges as you were going through that process? Because I know you mentioned, you know, club shirts were sales were going through the roof. Like, is there anything you might not have anticipated as that campaign yeah. built out? So demand is definitely one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we would have loved to have more shirts, but we, we just couldn't keep up with demand. Um, yeah. That's certainly thing. But again, at the time, we really didn't have any idea how, how big this was going to go. Um, and I think, I think for us, it was it was probably understanding that um, we we our brand was gaining value by being attached to Burger King, whereas in most mm. normal sponsorships, it's the brand that gets the the value from being attached to the football club or mm-hmm. the sports club. 
So um, yeah, it was it was interesting to see the dynamic switch, and to mm -hmm. and to play the other role than than what we'd normally play with our our sponsors. Yeah, and I think that's such an interesting concept because I saw that with Budweiser and the National Women's Soccer League last year, and and the brand really took a lot more of the media uh, responsibility to push forward the, the the properties messaging as well. So I think that's what's cool about the the way we're heading in sponsorships as well is not it's not so transactional one sided. It truly is both brands elevating each other, and I think yours was a great example of that. Yeah, it's very much a two-way relationship, and it's like anything in life. You 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 get in what you you get back what you put in, and you know both parties really worked hard to um, to get the maximum exposure and impact. And and that here we are, we're you know we're about to about to enter into another exciting campaign probably next week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's as a result of the campaign that we've we've just delivered successfully. That that they want to go again, and they they want to try something different, and and we're going. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll we'll do it. We'll take this leap of faith, and we'll and we'll go again. Mm -hmm. um, I want to touch upon that, but I, I do have one question specifically around learnings from this whole experience, right? So, with that campaign, um, is there anything you took away for Stevenage for yourself personally from that case study? Um, I think I think the main thing is um, be be prepared to be flexible and adaptive. When you, when you set out on something so big, you, you don't quite know where it's going to go. And I think if you've got your sight setting on it going in one place, you may not get there. It might go in a completely different direction. So you have to be willing to adapt. I think also you have to be willing to trust trust those you work with. So um, one of the big things for us was we didn't understand the gaming market. That's not our um, that's not our area of expertise. So when we saw some of the materials and some of the promotional methods, they weren't um, necessarily based around um, you know English football so we had to we had to trust mm -hmm. those around us with those expertise to, to start to appeal to a new market in terms of gaming but also to be uh, appealable from an international perspective not just a UK perspective mm -hmm. and so like I, I'm curious to dig in to a little bit of, of how this has channeled your eSports strategy and, and where you're focusing so you know your partnered with rival recently to launch the eSports arena for Steven and FC. Um, aiming to bring together gamers from all over the world to compete with the team and the club um, in yep. one environment. So, you know, what does that look like uh, for people that don't know? So I think this was driven by the fact that we had all these people all around the world playing as Stevenage on FIFA. And it was like, mm -hmm. okay, how do we engage with these people? How do we bring them all into one place? How do we, how do we put a value on that? Um, so we, we felt that eSports was the next step to take. Um, and we partnered with Rival. We've got a platform where people can come together 24 hours a day they can play in free, like fly on the wall tournaments, play against each other, socialise in the same environment. But um, equally, we can run uh, prize tournaments. So we've just run our first tournament last weekend, uh, PS, uh, PS4 and Xbox One tournament, $500 cash prize for each winner. We had over 100 competitors from all around the world playing, which is fantastic. Um, so, so we're sort of new into the market. It's probably our, our first dabble. Uh, we've got mm. a lot to learn. We're not experts, as I've probably just drawn upon. So um, we know there's a bit of value there and, and we're just trying to explore how we can develop that, not just from a, a fan engagement on a global scale, but also from a commercial perspective. So, you know, the next six months could be quite exciting for us in that area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and it, for sure, like I'd love to see um, how that success from the Burger King campaign accelerated your team to think about um, growth in esports as a whole and, and, you know, obviously channeling the success you had and the momentum you had with that. 
I think I think the esports market probably falls into the same category as digital. As a result of the pandemic, everybody's now turned to digital engagement. Mm -hmm. That's that's proven to be a priority, and I think that will be the case certainly for the next six six to twelve months. And that will still be a fundamental part of life. And and I think what it's probably done is just accelerated the need for all kinds of businesses and organisations to be more digitally focused. Therefore, just because we play football on a grass pitch on a Saturday doesn't mean we can't engage people in a digital world every single day of the week. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, interesting kind of uh, story and journey that we go on with eSports. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's really exciting. Mm -hmm. is, there, is there any other growth areas that your team is looking into? Like, obviously, eSports is a huge one, but any other areas of focus for you guys right now? For us, no, it's, it's almost sometimes you can be guilty of trying to do too much at once mm -hmm. for us you know we, we need to probably turn our attention back on to sort of our core business playing totally. football getting fans through the door um, as a result of the pandemic so I think the early part of next year will very much be focused on that and how we how we retain you know fan to fan engagement on a match day um, but at the same time we're, we're, we're about to launch something else with Burger King next week um, it's in a it's in a completely different market completely different area um, but it's it's something that's really positive, and I, and I think you know a lot of clubs and a lot of other sponsors will probably turn around and think, yeah, there's there's a, there's another important message there, and, and maybe we should follow suit. Mm -hmm. And and obviously there's um, there's there's you know the launch plans for what you're going to do with Burger King next week. But what mm. what kind of details can you share ahead of that? Um, at the moment, just that it's it's not gaming. It's it's something completely different. It's in, in the year that we've all had, it's probably a little bit more connected to feelings, emotions, and the real world, and and, and that side of things. Um, but equally, something that we all stare at every single day, in in all kinds of walks of life, not mm -hmm. just sport. Um, and it's probably highlighting that, drawing upon it, and seeking to um, seeking to improve that area really. So it's um, it's something really positive, not just for football. But for sport and for for wider society, so um, yeah, it's, it's it's something really good, and and we'd be really pleased to get it out next Tuesday and um, and share it with the world. We're excited to see it. I think um, the holidays, especially this year, is one of those times where you know we can we can use the positive content, even if it's not football related, not sports related. Yeah. It's just um, it's it's something important for for people. So we're excited. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a people thing. It's a it's a society thing, and it's um, you know hopefully it will encourage positive change in society. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so we're we're almost out of time, but I would love to kind of talk a little bit about you know career advice for people as they think about either a career in football, in sports marketing. Um, you know, some of the lessons that you've learned throughout your career. Is there anything that you'd like to share um, related to you know young professionals thinking about their next step? Yeah, I think I think probably touched on it earlier, but um, say yes to everything. Be prepared to do everything and anything to to try and um, you know to try and gain different skills and different experiences. Um, be prepared to multitask and manage multiple things at once, um, and also be prepared to be adaptable. Um, you know, titles don't mean anything. Um, you know, if a stand needs sweeping or a bin needs emptying, then then it doesn't matter who you are, you've got to do it. Um, you know, it's important that you lead from the front and, um, you know, just just work hard and, and seek opportunities and, and I'm sure people will get to where they need to in life. Love that. 
Alex, really appreciate you coming on the show. This was an awesome conversation. Um, can't wait to see you next week. Brilliant. Cheers, Amish. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to follow us at Sponsor Talk on Twitter and at the Sponsorship Space on LinkedIn. And join our community if you're interested in learning more. Thanks and have a great day.